0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Thanks for listening to, into it. Yeah, I really enjoyed that chat with the guys. And, um, to be honest, um, just after I packed up the bags and things like that, we were just sitting inside their brewery chatting away about all sorts of other things in the industry from like, I don't know, Carlsberg buying up, uh, London Fields Brewery and kind of the, uh, what is essentially what should be a Netflix series, like a 10 part episode documentary, not document, 10 part drama about, what went on there with, with London Fields, but I'm not going to tell you about it here because maybe one day in the long term future, we'll have somebody talk about it from more of a first hand perspective, but do a bit of reading around it. And that's really interesting as well. Anyway, next week we've got, um, Gypsy Hill Brewery. I go to visit the guys and, um, just checking out their canning, their, their cans that they've just, uh, that they're just buying into. They were just getting into the, um, the slightly taller cans that more traditionally, uh, you might have seen, you know, your beers when you were growing up, uh, the more 440 mil size and uh, looked like they were going into that when I saw them and I uh, went into their what would be soon to be hopefully their, um, their new tap room and, um, it was just filled with bags of malt that hadn't been used in the brewery yet. So yeah, um, but Gypsy Hill, they look like they're growing, expanding and dominating the little, um, industrial park that they're based in. And, uh, look out for next time we're live. Okay. Remember, if you enjoyed the podcast, please get in touch, uh, share us on Facebook, on Twitter, follow me on Pubman Jack. Um, if you want to, you can get me on Snapchat with, uh, with, um, you know, beer and co instagram we're beer and co as well um yeah get on the website and share with your mates if you like it and please subscribe and um and yeah catch us next time we're live all right to pip. this is beer and company right welcome to the episode this is uh, alex and chris from uh, by the horns I know we've just uh, re-recorded this because I got the name wrong at the start. That's <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, my error. Um, welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for no the introduction. I'm no worries. We'll put this in the middle there so everyone can hear you. But brilliant. Yeah. So I, you know, obviously, I came across you guys ages ago now. Well, probably at a beer festival somewhere in Spitfield or something like that. Um, I'm, first of all, my first initial thoughts were: Why is it called By the Horns? Is it like bulling? Pulling life by the horns, or like
1: yeah, totally yeah. But when before we started, um, I used to homebrew and um, you know I was messing around homebrewing, um, and that's essentially what started the brewery, But I used to call my kind of homebrew setup, um, you know, ball by the horns. My surname is Ball. Oh right, of course. So yeah, I called it. That was our that was our my kind of homebrew kit. We used to call that. And then when we came around to, to actually taking the brewery to the next level and taking the commercial, yeah by the horns just seemed like a really cool contemporary name and bull by the horns is a few too many words isn't it too many words but the kind of I guess the point of the saying like take the bull by the horns kind of summed up what we wanted to do yeah so we pretty much have, that was us like just, just getting out there and doing it
0: really. what was it like so you wanted we were, to... we were living together in a graduate house oh really graduate jobs or where... like post grads and stuff or like you no were... no so like
2: we'd, we'd been to university we'd done a, a ski both of us had done a ski season at separate times and we kind of fell back into work uh, kind of starting our
0: career so to speak. Yeah. In, um, in London, we shared. We were in a house share after university. It's like one, so one of those spare room things where you don't know each other when you come no, in. No, we all knew
2: each other. Oh right. Uni, but then the people kind of came in and out of the house over the three years that we like were. Like a there. sitcom. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was kind of a party house. And <laughs> <laughs> us. I you know, started brewing beer. Yeah. Basically, probably because firstly we would loved craft beer and that was our angle we wanted to get into. Or. That, to be honest, that phrase didn't even exist when we started doing yeah, sure. it. Um, but the American stuff, the American craft beer, and then you know, if we could make beer that could also fuel our parties, then it was kind of a win-win. It was so, kind of
0: like you used to get Sierra Nevada or Goose IPA or something, and, and you're like, okay, we can't find anything in the UK like this, so we're going to have to make it ourselves. And that, though, and even yeah. those beers were really hard to find.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so we were drinking in 2010, and you'd really have to look for, yeah. for those kind of Sierra Nevada, Goose IPA, or... Sam Adams even in those days was like, really, really hard to find. Yeah, I remember um, that, yeah. It used to be kind of specific craft beer shops. Yeah. Um,
0: but now, yeah, now you know how big it is. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And Sam Adams has now looked upon as like a massive... Mainstream lager now, isn't yeah. it? You see it everywhere and when you see it at Disney World, I think in LA, <laughs> it's like, so my friend can't, sack, can't, my friend can't hack it anymore because he, he goes to Disney every year with his mum and dad. He's like a 32 year old man, still gets taken to Disney every now and then. And he says when he, whenever he's there, he goes to the bar and he ha- finds Sam Adams is like the only beer on tap you can find. And he's sick of it because it's just. Yeah, well, I still. I, like I think it's a good fine beer. I'm it's like. a bad problem to have, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's Disney World. A thirty-two-year-old. You know, <laughs> so it sounds fine to me. I don't know why he's single. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so in, in in the house we uh, yeah we're just brewing the beer and then uh, we we both saw the potential in it after about six to eight months of
0: doing it as a because you kept people coming your flat?
2: Uh, well, once we set up the business, right, um, and it was it was kind of six to eight months of doing it. Um, right kind of additional to our graduate jobs and then we saw the, the potential in the brewery and where it could go to and what yeah. we need to do to make it grow so um, we both decided to, to quit our jobs and literally like go for it Brave like, times Yeah Yeah how had that of, feel uh, Yeah uh, Yeah it kind of kind of epitomised the, the name of the brewery then um, mm-hmm. but yeah it was, it was great we, we haven't really looked back since it's been six years uh, probably five years since we both
0: yeah. quit, quit of course quit. So it was that, temp- that period where I mean I, I often think people who people people who start brewing their own beer must have a massive fascination with beer already I mean like I like to think I know about my beers I'm the type of guy who buy a round of drinks for people and explain what to expect in each pint right but I've not even ventured into the whole brewing your own beer thing because well I live in a small flat with my girlfriend who won't like the smell of any of it <laughs> <laughs> although getting her into beer
1: too so we'll knock down those barricades as they come oh, along Yes, yeah, it's <laughs> totally like you know we've probably gone totally full circle on it like when we really got into it before we even started homebrewing you know, we've it, it was bizarre like having to explain to people or going to beer festivals, which remain like camera beer festivals, yeah. which weren't a problem, but the demographic back then was very much kind of socks and sandals. Let's but be honest different it demographic. Is. Like uh, the struggle uh, it's, with it's, that young 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 audience. It's changed not? a lot and we've seen it change a lot. Okay. I, I find like there's the ones that we still represent that like, we've we I think the demographic has really changed um in a in a good way. Mm-hmm. I think it's been quite balanced now. But it's, we've kind of gone full circle. You're right. And going to like going to pubs back then, we would try and like educate our friends, and we kind of slowly got there because it wasn't as much in the kind of public eye, and because they weren't didn't have the interest we had, it, that would like be immediately be lost on them. Yeah, Do you know sure. What I mean? Like I think lash-eyed. now, yeah, like now it's kind of okay. We've been banging on that door for a while, and they will kind of get our friends get it. But when new people come, and I think they've they people now have an understanding of what craft beer the term is yeah. or what it can represent I think everyone's got their own
0: definition for it don't they yeah but everybody's got some sort of homogenised sort of connecting points that we all agree on mm. although I don't know I've been hearing people disagree with the word actually using the word craft to describe it right because yeah, I thing. mean if you've got I mean in fact I, think I said this in the Hot Stuff Brewery um, podcast this morning that um, the, the guy who brews Pedigree has probably been doing it for almost 40 years and you can't criticise him as not being a craftsman when he's Got probably more life, your years doing it than I've been alive, mm. right? So, but what we see as craft, and I use inverted commas, is small, small operation, micro brewing. No, uh, I don't know. You drop me with your own opinions, but like, um, no, uh, what's the word? Um, no shortcuts or so okay. on your ingredients you're using or the processes that you use. A lot more willingness to innovate and go against the market trend, to try, mm. to try something new. It's this is how
1: I'm seeing it. Massively, I think, like in America, the Brewers Association have got their definition mm. of craft beer, and that's something I think. Well, I think it's been tried to implement here a few times, and that definition is a kind of a volume cap, and also says you you know you can't brew your main beers and with adjuncts, and there's certain criteria which makes sense. And you're right; it would kind of cover that whole kind of spectrum of brewers that fall into that yeah um, I think
0: if but you, then,
2: you see as much as we do when we walk down the high street you see craft beer here yeah at the beer list and it's just all not produce. what we call <laughs> craft beer there's kind of the larger population would call craft beer
1: yeah um, it's it's almost been substituted the word beer now just so just as a sales sales tool in, mm-hmm. yeah. but I think it's done that and I, I go to Ireland a lot and I've seen even before the term craft has been used like that here in the UK it, I find it it's been used to describe that new wave of brewing in Ireland for a lot longer because it, that craft just summed up not Guinness or not, you know, Heineken. <laughs> yeah. You know, it kind of summed up the new brewing. I guess because we've got that heritage of brewing here in the UK. As in family brewers. As in family, a sudden, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, Regionalised brewers. It's kind of just a phrase that recognises, you know, something new, really.
0: Yeah. I mean, to be honest, the, the whole movement, it's got to be a wave of for good anyway, um, in terms of just getting more decent beer to, or more more varieties of beer and more more options and more choice for the normal customer, mm-hmm. in the sense that you know, ever, a Foster's can be someone's favourite drink, and I'm not going to criticise anybody who's had that. But if they've only ever had Foster's in their life, then I'm not going to say they're qualified to say that's their favourite drink. Does so that make sense? However, if they've had more options and more more ability to try different things, and then set down that Foster's is their favourite drink. Then cool. How can I criticize that? Right. Mm. Whereas it sounds like the sort of the craft, sort of um, portfolio, or the the craft, sort of fashion or clique is is is, is militant and type of. Beers that people sh- should be having, what's considered quality and what's not. Mm. I don't know where I'm really going on this, really. But <laughs> <laughs> and, like you get me on a, you get me talking. It's very open it discussion. <laughs> it yeah. is, it yeah. is, it's and it, you, you, can, the... you can raise some blood. I think I am can raise some blood temperatures on <laughs> we, some people. But
2: we've had some yeah in-depth conversations at late night at the bar. Right. We do meet the brewers and um, tap takers and these kind of things. Right. Yeah. People on their opinions of their opinions on what beer is, craft beer really
0: is. Surely, yeah. people coming to that room are self-selected as people who are enthusiasts for the small brewery um, yeah. industry, right? Um, yeah,
2: and they're enthusiasts for certain breweries and enthusiasts right. okay. for certain type of beer and got a stance on what beers should be brewed, should they yeah. be brewed. So it's yes, yeah, it's, it's very, um, very ambiguous when you when you yeah. start a conversation. Of course, because, I, I think
1: it's just, like with obviously with food, people generally know what they like yeah. and people kind of know what is quality food and what is probably, like, lower quality food. Okay. Yeah. I think there's that clear distinction. I think when you look at it in terms of beer, that's a bit more kind of smudged. And mm-hmm. I think because there's been such a small offering of what beer has been available in the past, the perception of, like, what's good quality and what's bad quality for, like, general people who don't know what craft beer is, mm-hmm. there's there's that. It's kind of that undefined thing. So what we find is, like, when, when someone comes in with an opinion... You're right. That that isn't maybe seem qualified enough to have an opinion. Like you know, they've just been drinking Fosters their whole life. Yeah. Tastes a craft beer and goes, oh, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. What they're looking for when they when they taste that, yeah, I mean, they're looking yeah. for a, a cool chilled lager. Yeah.
0: And if you give them something which is like I don't know, an imperial stout, <laughs> it's it's so far away. It's like comparing water to coffee. It's a very different drink. Yeah. Even yeah. though using the same base ingredients. Yeah. With different yeast. You know. Um... But there is that topic of cask and keg, whereas you guys you guys do have a, from my, from my understanding, you guys have like a focus or an interest in the, the English style of bitter and um, the, the cask side of things, whereas you're inspired by American beers? What yeah, you said?
2: We, yeah. we, we started 100% cask, um, and the beers that we were brewing, we slowly found as we were kind of investing in our equipment um, mm. and being able to keg beers, um, sort of on a, almost an experimental stage. Sort of kegging off a few of the, the the brews we were doing, we found they were they were really working well on on keg being served cold, right. being served a bit more carbonation level, um, and just found they were working really well on keg. Um, so we do have that cask history, but then we moved on to, to keg beers that we think work a lot better on in, in yeah. keg format. Yeah. Um,
0: but now we're we're pushing um, a fair bit more keg I, hope, uh, I was about to ask which one seems to be doing better. You know, so it must be that you're saying the keg does better than the cask.
2: Um, it's quite seasonal as well right. cast beer in the, the autumn and winter is, is is very good mm-hmm. um, keg over the summer months when people move away from the they want something a little bit cold a little
0: bit more refreshing
1: yeah. you know, keg kind of overtakes it a little bit
0: that makes sense yeah
1: it depends where like, as a brewery we, we don't have any sales people at the moment and haven't had because we've pretty much been organically grown and, and pretty much continuously been operating at, operating at capacity Yeah. so I guess we haven't really had the the opportunity to really Try and push sales Or get sales out there That have really determined That's where If it's selling anyway Without any sales people You're getting to the point yeah. Of capacity I mean, then. Yeah I mean We've, we've pretty much been just, just been working on Like a demand driven Kind of yeah. basis Which is is nice And is You know It's going to be a bit different In the future When we've got Our expansion plans in place But mm-hmm. um, it's Yeah It's it's tough to say We've always had Like cask sales We've always been there And we'll always try And have that as a As a side bit um or as a main part of our brewing, but um you can't rule out and see all that kind of interest in keg beers, uh cans and bottles now. Yeah I
2: guess it's also when we started
1: so we were starting brewing in
2: two thousand ten. Right. When there wasn't the market out there. Real out was a thing. Real out was a thing.
1: That's I'm a funny term. A, a, Seems <laughs> bizarre now. Isn't
0: it? Right. Like <laughs> please hold a point on that that you were about to say <laughs> yeah. like starting. But I, I was on Twitter and somebody was criticising a craft brewery or a craft Big pub or something like that. And they were going, uh, something along the lines of like, uh, t- ranky real ale that mm. costs too much. And I was like, What has craft beer? Okay, first of all, <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. And I, I, my first point was hold on, ale is just a form of beer. You've got lager and then you've got ale. Yeah. Two very different distinct processes with different types mm. of yeast strain. And there might be more to it than that, but I'm not a brewer. That's Okay, ale's on the left, lager's on the right. And presuming it's not imaginary, and it's real, <laughs> surely all ale, regardless of if it's a cask or a keg, is real ale. So what do people mean by real ale anymore? I think it's hand-poured British well, real, cask, right? Yeah, real ale does yeah. have
2: that definition
1: of a live product. Right. Um, served from a, what was it, secondary? Yeah, secondary. I mean, it's kind, of, it's kind of been lost, that phrase, really, since the kind of craft fra- uh, phrases... Right. As leapt in to be honest. And um I mean they used to be used to see probably signs for like, you know, places like Weatherspoons would had a real out festival. They might yeah. have still use that, but I could imagine something like Oh, you know, camera is in, is intrinsic in the name of their yeah, thing. Oh, let's, let's not open that can of <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh, you know what stuff. I mean Real ale like and craft both have big question marks maybe craft is a new Real yes. ale. yeah that's a good point <laughs> and maybe it is and it holds the same sort of like uh,
0: you know agitation with some people I think you know keeps us talking about it right <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> which is really nice now we go to the pub to talk about the beer we're drinking what's than the next phrase yeah. <laughs> oh, god knows let's coin it let's now <laughs> <laughs> tasty chef <laughs> unreal craft. <laughs> toasty hot tea um yeah, like, so you were saying, so the. the uh, so, yeah, in
2: 2010, we. we, uh, Cast beer was our 100%, and it was. We basically went down the cast route because a lot of the places that we sold to had a a free. And there like a guest cast line or a guest tap yeah, that yeah. was a bit more accessible than the, the kind of keg lines that were all tied up with Enterprise Inns and whoever else they were buying their beer from.
0: I'm going to um, pause there because uh, the listeners might not be too familiar about Enterprise Inns or the tied relationship. So, yeah. if you go into that quickly to explain what that kind well, of means I, yeah it's
2: a, it's a big subject for a quick
0: <laughs> I mean, okay yeah true I mean I could give it a stab as well but you're the guest so. I suppose the uh,
2: I suppose the Tide pub chain is something that's almost hidden behind the the facade of the pub where yes a lot of the pubs say free houses or independent and they everyone thinks that they've got this landlord just mm-hmm. owning them running them as their own business and having free to, to buy whatever they want um, yeah it's, it's a little bit smoke and mirrors with what um, contracts that they have um, and the lease of the, the pub. It's, yeah. You have to agree to buy a certain amount of beer from home, um, a certain yeah. range of beer from.
0: Um, it's something that often a lot of my friends don't realize yeah. when you're talking about, like, going to the pub. When you are, uh, uh, you probably have to too. When you go to the pub, you, you can see the menu that's on thing, you what the range of beers they have on tap. You go, okay, cool. That's a star pub. This is an enterprise inn, you know, that's yeah. a Stonegate pub on the managed chains. Um,
2: yeah. And yeah, pre brewery, we, I, I didn't know about that yeah. I never saw that but now whenever I go into a pub I can pretty much establish <laughs> what chain it's in what it to that, they yeah. have, why the beers are on there um, I mean you can see it growing they, the, 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 they've obviously had to increase what beers are able to be bought because yeah. people are only going to pubs with generally a decent beer and food selection
0: and spirit selection now as well mm-hmm. um, so you were saying you were going to pubs that had a free a, a guest tap yeah guest tap one, one free of Thai yeah tap they're gen- generally a little
2: bit easier to get into um as a start brewery um and as a kind of beginning in the market which wasn't really that big at that time mm-hmm. um, so you had your kind of specialist craft shops I think there were probably like 10 to 15 the whole other of specialist beer shops in, in London I think the Ooh. break was there. The craft cask in Pimlico right yeah ones that stand out in my mind um but apart from that, it was it was a struggle to find anything like that, as I said earlier. Um, so that's kind of why we, we started down the Cast route. Um, but also now, I mean, twenty seventeen, you can just walk around London and see the the range of yeah. keg beers available in a lot of pubs, um, and you can see why breweries starting nowadays might think, let's just go one hundred percent keg.
1: Yeah. Um, it also really depends when we started. We you know it was kind of a, hob- a hobby business set up on let's let's see how this interesting our in craft beer you know we got a small industrial unit put some vessels in kind of really mm-hmm. started like grassroots level let's see how this this plays out in the next year yeah uh you know i'm kind of known to us within six months of doing that and still working part-time it just kind of exploded um which obviously we went into it full time kind of craft beer kind of revolution kicked off um but we couldn't you know well, what I'm getting to is we, we, we started on essentially a bit of a shoestring in terms of the budget and mm-hmm. we just wanted to get brewing and get our beers out there and that kind of access to market through CarScale was that was that entry point that um, makes sense I mean we've we been across America and seen tap rooms and brew houses and, and you know yeah. drank plenty in great cool places before that that we'd seen and was like right you know and our memories were like well we'd love to open a place like that but we just you know it was get so ready for it well I think it could have been because the guys like like Camden and, and other guys put in you've you've there's always been places like um zero degrees there's a few places oh, yeah. that has kind of setups more like the American model but they 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 cost quite a lot to put in place <laughs> uh, yeah. you know so you, you kind of balance in a budget and a you know and we started the business ourselves only now are we going out to try and crowdfund some money to yeah. to you know to get a bigger brewery um it's just, you know, we've just grown it within ourselves. Yeah, that's interesting, actually. I was going to touch
0: on the crowdfunding point. Obviously, like you said, you've gotten to the point where you're selling at capacity. And um, it was all on your, probably, I don't know, friends and families, helping out, yourself, your own investment, maybe a bank loan or something. Don't know. I'm not asking, just making mm. assumptions. Um, and, like, uh, now you're going to the crowdfunding stage. I think you're 11 days into it, or...?
1: Eleven days. I think it's about eleven days to go. Now. To go so that ends, month. Yeah, it ends beginning of or beginning of October. Yeah. Uh, around yeah. Beginning Bearing of in October. mind, I don't know when I'm going to put this
0: podcast out. Uh, yeah. It, it would be gone by. It would be finished by now. And hopefully, we <laughs> may awesome. already put our purchase order into the new brewery. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep an eye on it right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, how's the whole crowdfunding process been? Because it's something that a lot of breweries do go down, or not a lot, but um, often when you when you, I've got a friend who works at Crowdcube, and if you read the, the the trade press, whenever you see Crowdcube mentioned, it's either an investment in a, in a range of restaurants that are expanding or it's brewery. Mm. And you've got a heap that I can think of, like obviously Camden Hells, Brewdog, um, Hop Stuff, uh, I think Brothers, a brewery up in Manchester. Mm. What was it? Seven Brothers? Seven Brothers yeah, yeah, thanks,
1: yeah. Um, and now you guys as well, Hiver, I think, are also doing one. Hiver yeah, on there. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's been, three. it's, you're right. It's just seen uh, a real popular, platform or forum for, for, for breweries to raise money it's got got that kind of I guess the kind of sex appeal of that people are investing in a brewery yeah and there's beer involved <laughs> a lot of people like beer uh, so it's kind of I guess that easy sell it's, it's for us I mean we saw it as a as a great way to kind of engage people who want to be in part of our brewery and right. we've got a lot of good locals who drink in our tap room and are quite a nice kind of community that wanted to be a part of it and we thought, like okay we can tap into that which is great um you also had, um, you know, we really felt that as a as an investment, you know, a, a brewery. There's a lot of like crowd funds kind of for, for even like fintech or a lot of kind of um, kind of IT stuff or, or kind of apps, which have probably higher earning potential but have yeah. a lot there's a lot more risk above them, right? That can mm-hmm. be a really kind of well there's no there's you do software and there's no hardware involved. Yeah, so exactly if you paid for something they've got assets like even the, the barrels you've got in the brewery, you can sell them on if it all goes south. Well right? so. exactly so we, we we feel like the kind of business model and the business we have where we actually you know we do actually own a brew. We have actually got those assets, you know, it's not a business that we're gonna essentially go on to tomorrow. We're kind mm-hmm. of we're gonna hold our value um, and it's just we want to go through this growth phase, which we've never kind of had a, an expansion or a growth plan in place, let alone like mm-hmm. a sales strategy. You know, so yeah. I think us kind of connecting all these dots, it, it kind of came came around that this it looks like a you know feels like a great idea to to raise money via that or as an option to use that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean it's,
0: inter- it's an interesting topic because it's just to see. I, I, I agree. That I think there's a lot of people who. They they invest not even necessarily to get a return, just to feel like they're involved in something or to take ownership in the product. I mean, probably I don't know any of your investors if they are, have invested in that such a way. Obviously, investing is a risky business. And a lot, if you've got some money lying around, you can put it in lots of different options out there. To choose a brewery, I think that there might be part of that where you're going into thinking... Cool, this is something I'm part of, you know, I've got the t shirt I'm Also, fundamentally helping a business which I want to see grow rather than just treating it like an asset which mm. will grow. I think there's a more emotional tie. Yeah. Uh, do you, I mean, what are the rules for crowdfunding? Like, do you, do you get any of the money that's pledged or is it, um, or is that, that effect, crowdfunding? You know, I, I know that when you look at Kickstarter, for example, if you don't reach the target, then you don't get any of the cash. Is that the same for
1: CrowdCube and yeah, it's, pr- it's pretty much the same across most crowdfunding right. platforms. Um, so yeah, it's you know we you know it, it, yeah it may well be a case that we, we don't reach it. Okay, but we're certainly confident that we will. We've got yeah, yeah like nearly a short two weeks now. Um, and yeah, he has a lot of you know to get your kind of pitch right and to get it at the right level. And there's a lot of kind of work that goes into it um, mm. to get it. Well, I hope
0: you enjoyed that. Thanks for listening into it. Yeah, I really enjoyed that chat with the guys. And, um, to be honest, um, just after I packed up the bags and things like that, we were just sitting inside their brewery chatting away about all sorts of other things in the industry from like, I don't know, Carlsberg buying up, uh, London Fields Brewery and kind of the, uh, what is essentially what should be a Netflix series, like a 10 part episode documentary, not documentary, 10 part drama about what went on there with, with London fields but I'm not going to tell you about it here because maybe one day in the long term future we'll have somebody talk about it from more of a first hand perspective but do a bit of reading around it and that's really interesting as well anyway now, well I hope you enjoyed that thanks for listening into it yeah I really enjoyed that chat with the guys and um to be honest, um, just after I packed up the bags and things like that, we were just sitting inside their brewery chatting away about all sorts of other things in the industry from like, I don't know, Carlsberg buying up, uh, London Fields Brewery and kind of the, uh, what is essentially what should be a Netflix series, like a 10 part episode documentary, not document, 10 part drama about what went on there with, with London Fields but I'm not going to tell you about it here because maybe one day in the long term future we'll have somebody talk about it from more of a first hand perspective but do a bit of reading around it and that's really interesting as well anyway next week we've got um Gypsy Hill Brewery I go to visit the guys and um just checking out their canning their, their cans that they've just uh, that they're just buying into they were just getting into the um the slightly taller cans that more traditionally uh, you might have seen you know your beers when you were growing up uh the more 440 mil size and, uh, looked like they were going into that when I saw them and, uh, went into their, what would be soon to be hopefully their, um, their new tap room. And um it was just filled with bags of malt that hadn't been used in the brewery yet. So yeah. Um but Gypsy Hill, they look like they're growing, expanding, and dominating the little um industrial park that they're based in. And uh look out for next time we're live, okay? Remember if you enjoyed the podcast, please get in touch. Uh share us on Facebook, on Twitter, follow me on Pubman Jack. Um if you wanna, you can get me on Snapchat with uh with um you know Beer and Co instagram we're beer and co as well um yeah get on the website and share with your mates if you like it and please subscribe and um and yeah catch us next time we're live all right to pip
1: down the line yes of course yeah to to get money off that so um yeah you're right it's kind of i guess risky in that the money's tied up for them but it's, they've got an interest in it um,
0: absolutely and like um, some, you, you can spend money on lots of things but to actually feel like you've got ownership of a brewery that's close to your heart that is an asset in its own right you know I think I, I th- yeah so
2: I think the fact that it is so it is so visual and transparent that it is here yeah um, um, if you invest in a fintech company you can't just walk mm. into their office and go and have a chat whereas here you can, you can book a brewery tour you can walk in try the beers and speak to the brewers it's very um it's very easy to see where your money's going, Absolutely, and what yeah. you're actually investing in, and t- actually tasting what you're investing in. So of course, yeah, it's, quite literally. It's quite, a <laughs> quite a wonderful thing in that respect. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that's what people are, are really kind of buying into.
0: And what's, the, um, what's the next steps after you reach the uh, target? With um, an expansion of the brewery, yeah, I'm sure. Like,
2: There's an expansion of the actual brew house, so the actual brew length and um, tank farm. Um,
0: what do these words mean? I mean, the, the so, tap house is next door, is it? Where yeah. you've got all the tap yeah, lines? Yeah,
2: but yes. so at the moment we're a little bit... Um, yeah, capacity of brewing or capacity of space. I um, see. So the actual physicality of the unit we're in now is three metre high um, ceilings and uh, the next equipment is going to be... The next brew house going to exceed that. So wow, we're okay. going to need to find a um, new process to, to put the new brew house. So actually mm-hmm. a whole new brew kit.
0: Is it going to be external, away from this venue, or is it going to be an extension to this venue? Uh,
2: it's going to have to be away from this. Venue. Oh, okay. Uh, we haven't um, located somewhere that's fit for fit purpose yet. That's um, We've looked at a few places. Yeah. Um, but we haven't nailed down any location or um, actual facility yet. Um, and then we've got the tap room. We're going to stay here. Um, it's kind of where we started brewing. It's almost like our cultural yeah, exactly. our, our it's your home. Hunt, um, and we've got a really good following of, of the local community as well here um, so yeah we want to stay here uh, we're going to put in a 200 or, litre or so experimental brew kit oh that's cool um, just to try out some new a little bit more wacky and wild yeah. recipes uh, <laughs> and also look to do a street food offering um, that we can kind of manage ourselves because uh, we currently don't serve any food here we invite street food vendors yeah, sure. and, and that kind of thing but uh, we'd like to do our own offering um, pair it with the food and also do like a lot more brewery tours tuitions tastings um, yeah the scope here is, is massive yeah yeah. Um, that's why we want to we want to stay here and, and expand on what we've got for, absolutely uh, built up over the last three or four years in the, in the actual tap room.
0: it's qu- quite exciting to see you know it, it, obviously you can imagine I go to lots of different breweries at different stages of their existence and stuff it's always nice to see where they fit. I mean, obviously, I've seen smaller than this and stuff. I've seen seen little breweries underneath pubs that yeah. are like in yeah. the little cellar or like cooler, mm. and you kind of wonder how people can even reach in to actually pour the ingredients into the thing. It's so small in there, but it's always great to see to, as you as you grow up to the stage of seeing how things. I mean, this place must get rammed up in the uh, on the weekends when
2: yeah, it's really popular. Yeah, um,
0: and we we quite
2: diverse in what we use it for. Um, so it is open as a tap room every day apart from Monday um, but we also do private
0: hire we do private parties mm-hmm. we do comedy nights uh, live music which is pretty much running a, really. a venue in this the day and age I mean the pub industry is so complicated right now with as we went into the tie ring arrangement I mean just generally like how competitive you have to be especially in a place like London where you've got so many different types of bars knocking around and different types of offering mm. that
1: I mean this must be like running
0: a separate business so i right this tap room <laughs> yeah
1: definitely We, you're right it's, there's a lot of yeah it is effectively you're kind of really pushing it as a separate business you yeah. know and that and that's an, you know another reason why we need to take the brewing away just you know it's great having the main brewery like our main brew house is you can see it whilst ordering a pint which yeah. is which is great but um, you know scalability and on the, the size the scalability we need for the brewery just, just can't be housed behind a mm-hmm. tap room in that way. So, no. Um, yeah, no, a lot goes on to try and get get both both sides of the business, you know, tap room <laughs> and brewery, running smooth. So, uh, yeah. Well, you know, like um, I've kind of got through the interesting topic
0: to go through. We touched a bit on cash the uh, cash reports coming out today as we were recording this. Okay. And, um They um, in it, they mentioned that like cash drinkers drink more than normal people drinkers. About to a tune of about two hundred and fifty pounds more per year than normal drinkers, and it's just interesting when you see that if most of what you 're selling and from what I got from this conversation it's not purely because of that's what the demand is, but you seem to be you seem to be um brewing more keg than cask because that's what the market seems to want right that's kind of what I got
1: from is it you, you started off with cask and moved to keg no, because I mean, we're, we're, to be honest, cask is still our biggest selling oh, right, okay. product. Sorry, take um, Mainly on. because that's just where our kind of entry to market has been, and where we've kind of kept focus, mm-hmm. and where our customer base has been. Yeah, okay. So it's only really in the last two, three years when the keg has picked up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like I said, it's it's kind of been a that pinch point of us growing mm-hmm. and just fulfilling what we are customers we currently have yeah sure so okay. I mean we definitely see keg as, as growing a lot more in, for us in the near future
0: yeah but. it's a funny one because I mean maybe because I've got I live in London with a lot of international friends and they come to cask and they think it's really really obscure compared to what they're used to growing up where they're from um, I saw the figure that there's, that there's a, so much more cask in the craft movement than I realised um, and that might be because a lot of the beers I'm tasting are american inspired cake style beers and you know I don't know <laughs> I just probably show my inexperience probably yeah, I, I don't know where
1: that I need to read that report and see see the background of it where it comes but yeah I mean for us we we, we sell you know a lot of cast beer to, to kind of be it pubs that have a lot of locals yeah and where well, I could envisage a lot of locals will go in and they'll drink you know the It'd be very regular there and they like to have, you know, they go to the pub on a regular basis and drink two, three, four pints of yep. the cask the ale they like. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I can, from, from our experience, you know, I, I, I don't really have a, a local pub I go to as much, but mm-hmm. being in London, you kind of dip and delve into yeah. <laughs> everywhere that's interesting, but like, especially craft beer wise, um, so uh, may- maybe that might be... I mean, maybe I think Cascale has got a more localised concept. Right? Perhaps, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to put my finger on it too
0: because, like I said, I only read it... Um, it got released today, so I only read it recently. So, yeah, um, Yeah. so, I mean, I-, I think about my dad's pub up in Derbyshire. He doesn't own a pub. He goes to one. <laughs> He's local, so to speak. Um, yeah, it's not his pub. <laughs> um, and they-, they have, like, a... It's a Marston's owned one. I think they've got a tie right. because all the beers are one of the Marston's breweries beers. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, then on the weekends, they have a guest beer every Saturday and Sunday, which is their way of getting the cask throughput because you need to get rid of it in four days. It's quite yeah. a clever way of doing it because they know that in the week, people would come in for the, the sunbeam from banks or the other pedigree or yeah. sometimes ringwood beers. And then um, in the weekend, people come in as tourists or to try it out on the weekend, try their local, mm. um, guest not yeah. the local but the actual guest beer, and I, I think that's the interesting thing about the difference between London and outside of London with the, the style of drinker and the style of pubs that you have and I'm I'm, I'm wondering I think I read recently 65% of cask, um, 65% of craft beer is brewed in London and you go okay wow how are we going to get this out to outside of London your distribution is mostly in south of London or how far do you guys get um we do all our own distribution within London. Right, so it's um, going to be pretty difficult to go to Edinburgh.
2: <laughs> well, we do wholesale. Obviously. Oh, right, cool, uh, sorry. We go to larger wholesalers um, and we'll send pallets of beer up, up to them and they'll select all their oh. accounts. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes we don't know exactly where, what, where it's being sold, but every now and then on Twitter we'll see no, how a cool. pub has got up. That must merch. be a, a lovely just, feeling. It's really good to see. <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of makes you feel like your, your
1: product's really
2: branching out I'm absolutely
1: out bottles popping up in centre parks yeah down in uh, you know that's, that, that was, that's always great yeah <laughs> that's never, never
2: fully knowing where it's going to end up um, outside of London mm-hmm. but you, you generally know it's going to end up in in uh, well run and the beer's going to be well kept because um, they, they, the kind of price it demands and the people yeah. that are drinking it demand it to be kind of well kept and
0: yeah, exactly. Condition, uh, it's one of the concerns you always have, especially with a cask supply. Yeah. That the people presenting it are going to present it properly, look yeah. after the cask. It's
2: gone through such a massive journey. <laughs> Even yeah. before it gets to us,
0: the ingredients, absolutely, the, yeah.
2: the brewing process and the packaging and delivery, you kind of want the final product to be absolutely 100%. it's is
0: often what's criticised with cask. You know? yeah. I think some beer writers last year said that they're not going to drink cask anymore because they can't guarantee the quality of the serve. and.
1: It's kind of I think it's a, a little bit to do with that, and it's, I think it's also to do with you know the, the real burst of how many brewers there are now. Mm. Um, I think quality's still got to be such a leading force in in every brewer's eyes, really. And I, I think it it can perhaps be compromised sometimes by by growth. Yeah. Um, we've we've certainly tried to kind of you know prevent anything like that happening, and it's. it's you know it's, I guess it's tough being a small business that you want to you do want to grow but you've also really got to make sure that everything that goes out the door Absolutely. is 100% you know quality so I think you know it's, it's, it's that relationship between those pubs and the brewers and and the you know the whole kind of wholesale network to get to get that right and to get how it should be served right mm.
0: well I suppose there's um, nothing you can do for it too much really you've just got to hopefully not supply the ones that you find out we're supplying your beer badly i suppose but you know like um i feel like i've gotten to the <laughs> questions answered that i had to come <laughs> ask you it's been it's been really nice thank you cool. um okay. but yeah like uh if you guys have you guys got any like ways people to contact you or find out more about your beers that are coming out and any of the cool stuff happening and shout out about your expansion plans and stuff the Twitter
1: handles or email addresses or websites? Yeah, so website is uh, bythehorns.co.uk. Um, all our social media handles are bythehornsbrew. Handy. Um, so, yeah, kept it quite simple there. So, yeah, contact us by the website, um, and if, social media. And if this goes out before the crowd cube, it's. Uh, <laughs> oh, mate, it's, it's not going to happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, the, the crowd cube will happen, but yeah. this will not be out in 11 days. Come and see our new brewery. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> There'll be loads of stuff happening. Okay, cool, gents. Thanks very much. Um, cool. Thanks very much. Thank, Thank you. Today. No worries. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Thanks for listening into it. Yeah, I really enjoyed that chat with the guys. And, um, to be honest, um, just after I packed up the bags and things like that, we were just sitting inside their brewery chatting away about all sorts of other things in the industry from like, I don't know, Carlsberg buying up, uh, London Fields Brewery and kind of the, uh, what is essentially what should be a Netflix series, like a 10 part episode documentary, not documentary, 10 part drama about. What went on there with, with London Fields, but I'm not going to tell you about it here because maybe one day in the long term future, we'll have somebody talk about it from more of a first hand perspective, but do a bit of reading around it. And that's really interesting as well. Anyway, next week we've got, um, Gypsy Hill Brewery. I go to visit the guys and, um, just checking out their canning, their, their cans that they've just, uh, that they're just buying into. They were just getting into the, um, the slightly taller cans that more traditionally, uh, you might have seen, you know, your beers when you were growing up, uh, the more 440 mil size and uh looked like they were going into that when i saw them and uh went into their what would be soon to be hopefully their um their new tap room and um it was just filled with bags of malt that hadn't been used in the brewery yet so yeah um but gypsy hill they look like they're growing expanding and dominating the little um industrial park that they're based in and uh look out for next time we're live okay Remember if you enjoyed the podcast, please get in touch. Uh share us on Facebook, on Twitter, follow me on Pubman Jack. Um if you wanna you can get me on Snapchat with uh with um you know Beer and Co. Uh, Instagram with Beer and Co as well. Um yeah, get on the website and share with your mates if you like it, and please subscribe and um and yeah, catch us next time we're live. All right. Tool pip.